Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. Good morning slash afternoon slash evening slash night, everybody, and welcome back to our very special bonus episode of Spitball you Sessions. You forgot Elevens's second breakfast, you know. I, unlike some people, don't believe in hobbits. Um, Who said anything about hobbits? That's the way I eat. I don't believe in you. Oh, oh, does that mean that you're just talking to yourself on these podcasts? Aren't I anyway? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if the last episode was anything to go by. Yeah, seriously. It's you and the wall, you and the wall, and our one listener, who is you, who is apparently me. This is apparently all just a giant fight club situation. <laughs> I'm Tyler. I'm I'm the Tyler Durden to your Tyler Durden. <laughs> and as third casting call, we have Tyler Durden. I've never actually seen Fight Club, funnily enough. Spoiler alert, he's the same person. Oh, Fancy. Uh, anyway, welcome to Spitball Sessions, where you must defeat your games to complete your games, and apparently you must defeat yourself to complete yourself. I'm Josh, and I'm the reviews writer at... Uh, <laughs> that place. SpitballSessions.com. I'm joined by the webmaster for the site, Luke. I Luke, am the master it... of webs. Yes, you are the one and only. You were going to ask me a question. I was going to ask you how your nose has been. My nose still knows. Uh, does it? And it knows no pros. If your dog had no nose, would it be able to how it smell? Badly. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who are wondering at home what Spitball Sessions is all about. You can go on wondering, because this is... The this... bonus episode. Woo! Two. Our not-quite-one-year bonus episode. Because <laughs> we're that worth it. Oh, we're so worth it. Uh l'oreal sessions because you're worth it too <clears throat> anyway today we're going to be talking about this doesn't really fit into our normal purview which is why we sort of wanted to do it as a bonus episode and this is going to come out right about the time of steam sales so it makes it all proper because we're going to be spending an hour and a half talking about steam water plus fire equals steam and death and death sorry that was a joke from an old uh AMV. Anyway, uh, Water Plus Fire equals Steam, and Steam, of course, is the business platform for PC gaming. There's a couple others. There's GOG, there's GOG, and there's Steam, and there's GOG, and um, Steam, and GOG. What is it? There's one that starts with a D? There's Origin. Oh, there's Desura, but Desura shut down. Oh, is it really shut I down? I think so. Well, that would explain why Humble Bundle stopped giving out Desura keys. Yeah. Uh, there used to be... Uh, <laughs> Gamers Gate, not Gamergate, but Gamers Gate, which is an unfortunate name in the in light of the last couple of years. Uh, but I don't think anybody uses them either. And then there's like Green Man Gaming, but they do everything through Steam. So it's mm. basically if you want keys, it's Steam or, or GOG or Origin. But I don't know. Does Origin yeah, even exist? Don't what? Does, is Origin still around? Yeah, no. EA still shills their pennies on. Wait, huh. what am I talking about? Because I'll tell shills you, shills their have, games on their on their exclusive platform. Because my most because the most recent EA game I got was on Steam. This is the most dangerous game, and by the most dangerous game, I mean Steam hat trading. Uh So uh, for the first half, we're going to talk a little bit about Steam early access and Steam 
Well, no longer green light. But at the time I wrote this note, which was what six months ago now, it was Something called Steam like Greenlight. I hated Steam Greenlight. I'm glad Steam Greenlight is gone. Maybe I should double check and make sure that Steam Greenlight. I is don't inside. see it on my Steam, but um, yeah, I believe it was ousted for a different model. I think that people, uh, people who want to publish games on Steam now just pay like a hundred dollar. Um, which I think is fee. good. Like at some point, like the problem with the Steam Greenlight was always that they were like people were letting through games that were absolute garbage. They were letting through games like they were. Well, there was too much gatekeeping going on. It was always either this isn't a real game. Why is this on my Steam? Or well, this game is garbage, but people are letting it through because it has good screenshots, or because it has zombies in it, or because it's or, free. Or the alternative reason, yeah, which is the farmers. Well, yes, because they have hundreds of accounts, so if True. they want to get their game through, they just greenlight it themselves. Seen, I've never seen these farmers you're talking about. because uh, it's it, uh, the Steam algorithms are pretty good about weeding out the crappy farm games. But, I mean, it is a thing that happens. They have accounts idling games just to build up cards. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done that before, but cards don't sell for very much. Uh, It's a weird model I don't begin to understand, but apparently it makes them money. So. I don't know. Yeah, I know a I lot mean, of people. A lot of people do that just so that they can sell the cards to buy free games. But I just have all the cards. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I mean, as an example of this, um, look at uh, go onto YouTube and check out Sid Alpha. Yeah. He he's been following a lot of dirty devs, and uh, recently he's been following a couple of specific uh, Steam card and Steam key farmers. And well, he kind of outlines. I know about. Well, it, it's part of the same thing because they, yeah. they 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 farm. They get the keys from Steam. Right. They hand them out for free to their farms, and then they they use them to make. Oh, money. I thought you were talking like Counter Strike keys, which I know is also a thing. No, no, no. They, key traders. They make they make their games. Um, they they distribute the keys to their farms, and they idle farm uh. their own cards for some thing. Uh, Sid Alpha outlines it with more detail and he's got a lot of information so the question is how many keys of steam do you need uh what, what, what does a key of steam go for on the black market i don't know i haven't got a clue well it, probably less i assume, I assume the trading cards all go up their nose mm, probably most likely okay do, you, do, do they rub the steam keys on their gums first uh why are we making a, uh like a connection between steam keys and like cocaine cocaine because you sell it in keys do they Yes, it's called kilo. A kilo, a kilo of coke is is called a key. Um, if anyone out there can tell, I know nothing about drugs. Apparently not. Um, okay. I didn't realize I was hanging around with a loser. Well, you know, it's it's me we're talking about. That's You've, true. What do you mean you don't know how you're hanging out with a loser? You've been hanging out with a loser since I, we were both like thirteen. Well, I thought you were cool back then. It should have been a, a pretty big clue when I was trying to get you to play Descent. That's true. <laughs> like, Note to myself, if I ever go back in time, don't hang around with that loser. Too late. There's no such thing as time travel. Says you. Says me. Well, we'd know. You would have killed me by now. That's true. <laughs> true. Well, you are Adolf Hitler, basically. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I almost said something wrong. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> have I mentioned that we're a little loopy? Wow. Uh, anyway, so, um. Yeah, I know about the I know about the hat traders and the key traders and all of those people, but yeah, I don't I don't know I don't understand how idling trading cards could be worth anything because they're worth so little, like they're ten cents a piece. Yeah, I don't begin to understand 
the process exactly unless they're selling them all for like five hundred dollars and try i don't know anyway i need to find out how to do this and maybe i can accidentally trick people to buy my cards and make um no only if you want your accounts banned well because that's what happened to the last guys that sit alpha followed he reported them and well yes but i'm sure that they're using some sort of a trick to make people buy their cards for large quantities of money and that's not technically wrong yeah i still i don't know how this uh equates to money that's the funny thing is because like there are a large get, quantity. There are large parts of Steam that don't ma- equate to money to anybody from anybody except Valve. Like those hats. How did somebody make tens of thousands of dollars from hats from Counter Strike? By PayPal. PayPal. It must be PayPal. No, it's totally PayPal. But you know who does make a huge amount of money off of those? Who's that? Steam. Valve. Oh yeah. Well, Valve, mm. Valve takes Valve takes three t- percent uh, of everything. Well, yeah. Three to ten percent. Well, good. Yeah, ten cent card. Three yeah, cents make, go to Valve, and yep. there's uh, yeah. millions of those transactions. Thirty percent, yeah, yeah. No, they make if you if you sell four hundred dollar item, they make a hundred hundred and twenty bucks off of it or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I don't know if this was meant for the other other half, but how about those um, uh, monetized modding that was coming and going? I actually support monetized modding, so um, you and I think are on different sides of that one. Well, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm kind of torn. To be honest. I think people who make mods should be compensated for their work. I agree. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah. No. I, th- I have a problem with the cut that some of these companies is taking I, from those monetized uh, mods. That one's harder to. I think that's more complicated than a subsection of this episode. Yeah. That's, I know. That's, 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 that's a big that's thing. That's a bigger question. I, I think we'll probably have to sit down and talk about that I and mean, do that, some research. That, that at some point when we that that at some point I feel though is when we do an uh, an episode about the entitlement of gamers, I think that will be a large chunk of it. Because, oh yes. Because that we, we, we could go for miles with entitlement yeah. of gamers. That's a pet peeve of both of us. Yes, and I think and I think I think a lot of the objections to modding come from that. And that's why I object to people who are opposed to modding. That's to true. Modding. Yeah. Um, there, just there, because I object to people who are There there are reasons I'm <clears throat> I'm leery of it, but oh, yeah. but the not willing to pay someone for their hard work is not one. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Then then we are on mostly on the same page. Though. But so I, I do think though that speaking of entitlement of gamers I do think that the early access model is basically a no-win situation for anybody involved. For the games themselves? For the game... Well, for the games and the gamers. And and this is something that I've talked about a bit, and I've seen other people say something similar, but... I mean, the thing that I've noticed is that... Like, early, early access is a no-win. Because the developers can't win, because if they put all of the great ideas in before launch, then people are mad that there isn't more stuff. If they don't put everything in before launch, then people are mad because they didn't finish the game. You know, if you buy the game and, you know, you're not satisfied with it, you can say, well, it's still in early access. But then when it's not in early access, then you're like, they didn't put in the thing that I wanted them to put in. And now I'm mad. Or if they did put that thing in, and but somebody else didn't get the thing, they, you know, like, it seems like early access games, you know, the early access system is completely unwinnable for anybody. Well, yeah, and that also falls a lot in 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 user entitlement. Um, oh, yeah, totally. One of the one of the big things that I I see a lot of is that there are often cases where somebody starts a game in early access just to make it available for people, right. and then they realize that their vision completely changed, and people are upset that they spent money on this thing that's not what they originally wanted, and the developers like, I'm sorry. That's not what we wanted to actually. It's not feasible what we which, wanted to. Which make. is, which is, you know, and, and though that's actually the one where I'm torn, 
Because, like, at some point, that does get into the question of, is it false advertising? Like, yes, on the one hand, it is early access. On the other hand, you're at least buying into an idea of what you think is coming down the pike. Like, if I, if I bought, for example, if I bought Star Citizen, and then he says, you know, this dogfighting thing is hard. I think I'd rather just turn it into a ground-based flight sim. Which is what it is. <laughs> okay. I'm, Wait, I'm, no, sorry. Uh, I was thinking not Star Citizen. You're thinking uh, No Man's Sky. I was thinking, which is exactly what happened, because they were pushing that dogfighting, and right. it just didn't happen. No, if or or... or you know, let's say, or Factoria, which is an early access right now. Yeah. Like, say if they suddenly said, you know, this whole factory thing is really complicated, so we're just going to turn it into an... Into a tower a, defense. Into a tower defense game. Like, it could be a really good tower defense game. Like, but it wasn't what you bought. But it's for. not what I thought I was buying. And I, th- I think there is a level in there where there is entitlement, and I think there is a level in there where it's okay to be like, no, this this is not what I paid for. Like, for example, Minecraft. You know, I think that what we got out of Minecraft is, let's say, 90% what we expected to get. I think 90% right. of what most people wanted to get, expected to get out of Minecraft. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely one of the most popular games out it's there. Po- it's one of the most popular games out there. But what I mean is, you know, you and I may have said slightly different ideas of what the end product was going to be. But it's pretty close to what I imagined most people imagined it was going to end up like. And yet... Every single day, if you go to the Minecraft forums, you would see, well, this feature that I want isn't in here, and it probably isn't going to be in there by Minecraft 1.0, and that means I'm furious because I paid $15 for this, and he didn't put in the thing I was expecting. Like, there are people who are mad that wolves weren't in there, or that he put wolves in when they wanted better modding interface. And there were people who were mad that he did more on the modding interface when they wanted more block types. And there were people who were mad that he did block types when they wanted more redstone. That's Well, that's, that's when you say, well... Shut up. Right. And, and but I mean but but that's the kind of stuff I mean when I say that early access is a no win situation. Because if the thing that you want for a certain volume for a certain definition of you, if the thing that you want isn't in there when it's finished, you're like, Well wait, the thing that I wanted isn't there like Terraria, I think, is a great example for us. Sorry. You gotta stop rambling you gotta let me actually put in points because you've gone through several different things that I've had to ditch things I wanted to say. Oh, go ahead. Um as far as that goes, you're right um, that there's a lot. And again, that's entitlement. Right. And and the problem with that is it's not the developer making it open source. It's actually that particular part of the player base that is so in, feels so entitled to what they demand. Yes. That is hurting the hurting them, the model. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I agree. So what do we do about that? Well, I was I was gonna say like I think I think for me Terraria is a really good example because, like you and I have said before, like when Terraria 1.0 came out, I said I can accept that this is a good game, but it is not a game that I like. And when 1.1 came out, I said you know this is close to what I want, but it's still not quite what I want. And 1.2 is finally where I said you know what, this game is actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And if they had stopped at 1.1 like they had originally planned to, I would have been bummed. Now, I personally would not have revolted because I still think it's a good game and a quality game. It's just not a game that I like. But I think that's really where some of this comes down to is, is it entitlement or is it, is it entitlement or is it that people don't understand how to differentiate objectivity and subjectivity in the way that I have been doing game reviewing for a while? Well, there's a lot of that, which is why... Also, the reviewing system esteem is so flawed. Yes. Because there's such a lack of objectivity in a lot of the player reviews, and that also hurts the uh, model 
because people and we're gonna get into that a bit in the in the second half. Yeah, so. because people have opinions. Yes, and they they treat them as objective standards. Right, and 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 that's a real issue. But yeah, I I mean, so I think I think one thing that you could do is. I mean, obviously, the easiest way to do it is to just stop doing early access, but I know that that's not feasible anymore. Like, a lot of these games now are built with the some, early access Some games online. live up. I mean, like, Dwarf Fortress. That's a fantastic game. Dwarf Fortress is not early access. Well, it kind of is. I, I think roguelites are a separate thing. Well, yeah, okay. So there are games, I guess we'll call them constant development Yes. Games, where they're just never going to stop building yeah. on them. But also, like, the difference between Dwarf Fortress and other games is Dwarf Fortress is free. Like and it's also, it, well, and not even a matter of cost, because people actually invest in that game. That no, guy makes a living off of no, what no, people but, give but, him but money. No, no, but what I'm saying is that you pay you pay him if you like it, but you don't have to, you're not buying the game. You are paying True. him. You know, it, it's like, like Adam and like like a lot of roguelikes. You can get them for free and then give money if you want I to. I think also a big thing about that is that he's 100% transparent about his plans. True. He has an entire roadmap of what he wants to do to the game where he is mm-hmm. and what's next. I mean, I, a great example, I think, in terms of this, um, you, you know, that, that I think separates this. Let's talk about um, two games from um, <clears throat> every, the studio that everybody loves to hate, um, Tim Schafer's Double Five. Right. Uh, they, they had two games that are extremely controversial because both of them are paid, uh, Broken Age and uh, Space Space DF9. And both of those look like really good games. Space Space DF9 is not great, and that's where a lot of the controversy lies. Um, Broken Age is... I don't like adventure games, but it's a good adventure game, I think. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Uh, I probably wanna... would enjoy it. I just, you know, got to settle in for a good... The problem with adventure games, yes. going off tangent here, is it takes time. You really have to invest a good chunk of time to play, because you can't just do it in bite-sized amounts. No, it's a story-based game. Yeah, so you got to sit down, spend several hours in a go... To make that work. And it's not feasible in the busy day and age that we live in. Not really. Um, but, I mean, people were mad about that one because, you know, they wound up raising like three times what they had originally but you know, originally asked. And then the game wound up being bigger, which then meant it took longer. And then, you know, they'd originally said it was going to be out in October of 2014. And the full game didn't come out until October of 20, like late 2015. Like they released half and then half. And people were like, well, we gave you all this money. We gave you extra money and you still couldn't get it out. On. Like crowdfunding. Yeah. That's the biggest, yeah. that's the biggest issue with crowdfunding and crowdfunding kind of fits in with this as well. Right. Is, is when something is really popular and people like star citizen is a prime example. Of yes. That. Star citizens timeline went out several years. Right. Because they made, millions of dollars right and they're crowdfunding and they just realize that they are going to have to expand their game a hundredfold right because they met every single goal made new goals met those goals made more goals and they just had to stop at one point like we're not making any more goals because you've we can't even make this game anymore but the problem but the problem is that then people still like they said well it's probably going to take us longer and this is going to be a bigger project but people were still expecting it by the timeline they had originally set and there have been so many games that have slipped deadlines. Like I have, I have, I have a game that was supposed to be out in August of 2013. I sponsored in August of 2012. It was supposed to be out in August of 2013. Is it that, still hasn't hit. Final is that release. Castle Story? Yes. Or just recently hit final release, like within a, the last couple of months. Like, yeah. I mean, that thing, that thing dragged on for years, and they went out for a second round of funding because they ran through all of their money. And at one point, I didn't think that game was even going to get finished. 
Um, Which, well, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about it because I think a lot of the problem there is is these people who are funding games, crowdfunding games, don't understand how much games cost. They don't understand not not even the people who set up because they they they're doing this from the designer's standpoint of we set up set us set aside a budget and we do our best to meet it. We can't always meet it. Right. We can't always meet our timelines. That's why games get pushed back all the time. But the general difference is usually in like the previous system that was used, mm-hmm. you didn't pay for the game until it was ready to be bought. Right. And the new way is great in that you can pay ahead of time and be ready and excited for the new game. But if anything happens, you're wondering what's taking so long. Right. Because you don't know how long a game's been in development before before they announce it. Right. I mean, a, a lot of this problem is that people in general don't understand the amount of work that goes into games, and they think it's all super easy. Like, we saw that with No Man's Sky. We were like, oh, this should be an easy fix. Why is it taking them three days? They should have been able... I, I did it in 15 minutes. You know, and, and all this stuff. And it's just like, people don't understand how complex game programming is. They don't understand how this works. And they're like, why is this costing $3 million? It's just a little adventure game. And you're like, because... I mean, if you think about it, a million dollars is like, is like a million dollars is a hundred people for a month. Like that's it. A million dollars is a hundred people for a month. So if you have 50 people, that's half a million dollars a month. So if you, so if you're paying three and a half million dollars, that's seven months worth of game time. That's how long the game should take. You know, I mean, when you start thinking about it in terms of that, I mean, that, that's rough estimates, but I mean, if you're assuming that the average person makes about $50,000 about, uh, you know, $50,000 a year. Not even taking into account the uh, higher ups, right? And that's not taking into account <laughs> studio execs. I mean, that's not taking into account time. That's computers, equipment. Right. That's just flat salary breaking even five or six months. And you know, is it fair that that things cost that much? Not necessarily, but that's the way it is. Like that's what's you know people need to get paid. People need to make money. And a lot of these people are like, well, I you know and. And so when you look at it in that context saying, well, I paid $20 and I expected better, like on, this, on the one hand, I get it. Because you know what? I've paid $20 for games and been dissatisfied and upset and angry too. And, you know, I absolutely believe that customers should have the right to say this is not what I wanted. And that's oh, yeah. what I'm saying from the other point of view. Like Steam did a good thing about saying, look, you know, if you've played less than two hours after the game comes out, you, sh- you we, we will refund you up to two weeks after it comes out of early access. We, you, you, we, you, we restart the two-week clock. But the problem is most people have probably played more than two hours of an early access game before it comes out of early access. Two hours is not very long. No, it's not. I mean, and on the one hand, like, you don't want them to be able to say, well, you know, if you've played a thousand hours of this game and then the instant it comes out of early access, you can return it. But at the same time, it's like, I think Lego Worlds was one where it really, really put this in stark relief, which was the one where I really started thinking about this, because apparently the Lego Worlds, before it was came out of Early Access, was this giant open world game. And once it reached, like, basically like Minecraft-style worlds, and once they went left Early Access, it basically was more like No Man's Sky, where you're hopping around from planet to planet to planet to planet, and each planet has different blocks and different atmospheres and different yeah. ecosystems. And apparently a lot of people really, really, really didn't like that. Like really, who had played the early access version hated it. And there were all these negative reviews for like the first two weeks. And then everybody came in and was like, no, this game's great. Like this game is exactly what we wanted from No Man's Sky. And it's awesome. It's great. But if you looked, but clearly the people from early access weren't satisfied, even though some of them had played 50, 80, 100 hours. And I feel like, you know, yes, they did get a lot of great time with it. 
and at but some point you shouldn't be able to get your full money but back. They got they got what they they got what they wanted from it when it was in early access, but it's right. no longer the game that they had invested in. Right. And at some point there's a no win situation, right? No, yeah, you're you're absolutely right because the developer still deserves to be paid for their time, right? And and and, the, and of, they got some play out of it. And there are plenty of games that have been patched. <laughs> I mean, Crusader Kings is not the same game that it was when I first bought it. It is a completely different game, and some things that they've changed I like, and some things they've changed I hate. But I can't go back and play the very first patch of the the, the original version of Crusader Kings either. I mean, it's kind of the problem with our digital digital gaming era. Yeah. In general. Well, I mean, yeah, that that was one of the things that I remember just being so happy about. And I, I don't remember our, uh, your side of this conversation, but I remember talking to you about Steam right. when it was first out and I got the orange box. Was yeah. it in the orange box? Well, Half-Life 2 was the first thing. Yeah, Half-Life. Okay, so I got Half-Life 2. Right. And it came with Steam and I put it on and then I realized, the first thing I realized and I absolutely loved was the fact that it kept the games up to date. And I think that's great. And that was awesome. But on the downside, it keeps the games up to date. Right. And if the next patch comes up as a doozy and it breaks the game, which I have games right now, uh, technically my Kerbal Space Program is uh, two versions behind. Well, there's there, because mean, it doesn't run on the new version with the mods I have. Well, there, there, I mean, there's break, there's game breaking patches, which is I mean, I think a whole different thing. But uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's stuff that if if they actually work on fixing it, it but, is but, a thing. I mean, but but there are instances where keeping it up to date can ruin a game. Or, 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 or at the very least can change. Like, for example, with Crusader Kings, um, you know, it used to be that sieges work one way. Now sieges are like 5%, five times harder because people who were really good at that game were exploiting the siege AI. I'm not great at that game. So having the sieges work this way now makes the game significantly more difficult for people like me. I don't necessarily like that, but there's nothing I can do to prevent it from playing out like that. I just have to suck it up and get better. And I mean, do I think that, you know, I deserve to get all of the money back that I paid for Crusader Kings? No, I've put hundreds of hours into that game at some point saying, well, I want my $40 back is stupid because I've already played, you know, it would be like going to a movie. Like at some point, you know, you've, I have earned the amount of time that I have put into that game, but and that's what I mean. There's no, there's no way to win this because no. you can't give everybody the money back, but you also can't satisfy everybody, which I think is where we come back to the, the old phrase saying, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. And I think the burden uh, in those types of situations should be on the buyer. Yes. Um, I think that... Unless, is- unless, unless the developer is doing something <clears throat> that is actually shady... Or, you know, it's doing something that is obviously lying or misleading people. Yeah. And, and I mean, there is a fine line with that that should be <clears throat> dealt with at a, at a legal level. If something something right. goes awry, like, for instance, if they just completely change up the game and say, right. uh, it wasn't working this way, blah, 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 then, you know, there should be some sort of... Well, I mean, like, like, like we said, like if Factorio suddenly becomes a tower defense, I think you are well within your rights to say, uh-uh, this is not fair, you lied to me. Yeah. But if it's, oh, we decided that the, that the blue Kavera belts are only going to move 12% faster rather than 11% faster, like, shut your mouth. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, I think Space Base DF9 is actually a really good example of this because they said, we're going to finish this as long as people keep buying it. Not enough people bought it. They stopped it halfway through development. It is not a, it is, 
arguably a finished game, but there's really not a lot to it. It's pretty bare bones. It's pretty bad. And people are furious about that. People are like, they lied to us. They stole our money. I paid $20 for this thing and they ripped me up. And I admit, it's not a good game. It's not a great game. It is, no, but but the simple fact of the matter is, is your $20 yeah. does not build the game. No. In its complex in its completeness. And and they and they gave a free game to everybody who bought it because they abandoned it. They said we can't afford to keep working on this game. It's just too expensive. And do I think that totally makes it acceptable? No. Do I think they probably should have refunded anybody who asked for it? Probably. But it might have made them bankrupt. It could have destroyed the developer. I, I mean I mean giving away free games probably hurt them at, as at, it was. At, at some point they, I feel like with that game, at some point, they probably, at some point, I think they should have either given the picky free game or get a refund. I don't think it should have been one, not the other. Like, it should have, you should have had your choice. Like, if you paid less than 10 hours, take the refund. Otherwise, you get the free game. Like, if you've been playing it 10 or 15 hours, then yes, I don't think you should get your money back. Yeah. But if you, but it should, I think it should have been more than the standard two hours. Um. But, I mean, in that case, they absolutely, I mean, they technically kept the promise that they made, but at the same time, I feel like they walked away from what, from their responsibilities in a way. They definitely didn't explain themselves very well at the time, and I, I can understand why that one left a lingering distaste in people's mouth. The fact that people still bring it up three years later when they tell people, don't buy Massive Chalice, don't buy Broken Age, don't buy any of their other games because this one time they didn't finish a game, then it starts to feel a little bit vindictive. Because it's like, yeah. yes, they... Absolutely. They people, deserve to be raked over the coals for that game. They don't deserve to be raked over the coals for every single one of their games from there on. People, people still do this with the Engineer games. Yes. Because uh, Space Engineers was not the first game that they made. They made something similar to it in nature, and they kind of abandoned that project, yeah. which I will agree, not the best way that they handled it. They upset a lot of people. Yes. But Space Engineers was a complete title. Right. And... So, and then after that, they moved on to Medieval Engineers, yes. and they built upon it. They're clearly improving on every yes. generation. Now, the fact that they keep launching new titles that are different but the same, yep. a little shady, but you know what you're getting into, and it's not. it does not justify the major vitriol and the don't buy their games, they don't deserve your money. I also see it a lot with the ARC games, which, you know, I'm not necessarily going out of my way to defend ARC, but, like, at some point, I guess they apparently released some, like, cosmetic DLC and an expansion pack before they'd finished the original game. People were like, how could you, you haven't even finished your real game, how are you releasing DLC for it already? And it's like, you know, it's one of those, in principle, I agree with, or in, in this specific instance, I agree with them, but I think, you know, on principle, that's not, like, I, why can't you release cosmetic DLC for a game that's not finished? Like, especially, they, they know what they're doing with it. Especially considering the fact that <coughs> when they're troubleshooting bugs, right, it's a specific tech team mm -hmm. or a series of tech teams that are working on right. those kinds of things. At the same time, the content teams, which are still on payroll because they're going to need to be working on the game again, mm -hmm. have to do something. Right. So my, why not make a little extra content because to throw at people and be, make them happy? Because people feel that it should have all been in the base game for free. That's what they always feel like, because you haven't finished the game yet, so this should also be free. Well, generally speaking, those people are are, are producing stuff that was not in the original plan. Right. That's why it's a DLC. But right, but people still don't understand. I mean, what? It's been 15 years. People still don't understand that. that no, they don't. You know, you all, would think that they would understand the business model, model well, by now. 
I mean, you know, I showed you NBA 2K last night. Like, uh-huh. so I sort of agree with them on some of this stuff that, like, there is definitely a level at which this gets disgusting. Oh, yeah. I would say that game is, an, is a level at which that gets disgusting. When you're talking about a game like Ark, where it is a $40 game that is in development and then they're releasing a $20 DLC pack, I can see why people get upset about it. Like, I could totally get that. At the same time, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the hill I want to die on. No, that's true. And I guess I was missing the point that that was actually paid DLC. Oh, yeah, not just paid like, DLC. Well, well, and for half, and the, half the cost of the game. I'm, and that's what I mean. It's like in that specific game, I'm not sure I can justify it. But I'm also not sure I can justify the sentiment that this should never be allowed to are we happen. Talking, are we talking about DLC in this segment, too? Or is I mean, that the next one? Uh, I didn't really have it in either one, so I was just mentioning it. You can if you want. Well, I, I think that's something that we're seeing a lot of right now. Is, is Manipulative that, DLC? Yeah, it, it, that is starting to be a problem. Yes. I, I can understand adding extra content and upsetting people because you, know, they ha- you have half your team building content because they don't they don't do bug fixing. Right. That's not what they do, and they're still on the payroll, so they might as well make some content. And even if you do it like for an inexpensive DLC because it wasn't part of your original plan, and why not make a little bit, bit right. of money off of it? That's fair. $20, half the cost of the game for uh, keeping your, your idle staff busy, little excessive. I... I- I think it depends. I mean, in, in the case of Ark, it does feel to me like an expansion pack. On the other hand, I think people could justifiably argue, why are you making an expansion pack before you finish the base game? Um, but at the same time, if the argument is, this makes money that can be used to continue building the right. base game, I'm all for I, that. I know. And, and and like I said, that's why we're, when we're specifically talking about Ark, it's a little hard for me to, to really feel out either side. You know, if they had gotten up, I don't like Ark. Well, neither do I. But if they had gotten up and said, you know what? We thought we had a forty dollar game here. Mm-hmm. We think it's a sixty dollar game here. We're giving you the option to opt in, buy this DLC, and and pay for a sixty dollar game. Yep. So we can make it the sixty dollar game we think it is. That would be it, fair. It also, it's all about presentation. It also doesn't help that they keep raising the price of the base game based on how popular it gets. The more popular it gets, the more they're raising the price. Yeah, a lot of people do that, and it's Which it's is, it's kind of heinous. But yeah, but I mean, like you know, like while we're. Sp- Talking about manipulative DLC, since we're, I think we're pretty much done with the early access part of this, uh, or the, yeah, the early access part. But, um, you know, like we, we were, like I showed you last night, where we have a $60 game where you can then buy tokens mm-hmm. for money. You can then buy boosts that are based on Gatorade. You can buy shoes in the game that are based on real world shoes. So they're trying to sell you products. They're trying to make you buy things that aren't even real. <laughs> that aren't even real. They're trying to make you spend real money on card on random blind boxes they're trying to make you spend money on point upgrades and they're trying to make you spend money yeah on what fake was that shoes. something like three hundred dollars <sighs> to fully upgrade one of your players yeah it would, it would be about three hundred dollars to fully upgrade your player that's ridiculous it's yeah i mean that's i mean or you could or you could play a, a few seasons which is i assume what most people are going to do that's what i'm yeah. going to do i mean i mean to be fair to some extent if you want the shortcut and you don't want to actually have to play the game to be able to play the game, then go ahead and spend your money on it, I guess. But, like, at some point, I feel like playing the game should be part of... The, pro- the place where, to me, it becomes a problem is then I have to start wondering, well, how do I know that this game isn't tuned specifically to give the drops just rarely enough? Like, you know, if this if they weren't charging me for this, how do I know that I wouldn't be getting ten times as many of these coins? Do you know what actually? Uh, or five times as many of these. Coins. Going back to this is something that I follow a lot of what Sid Alpha mm-hmm. comments on because he 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 mentions a lot of things. Um, 
crud. What's that sci-fi game? Um, Animal Space? No, no, no. It's a shooter that's on one of the main consoles. Overwatch? No, not Overwatch. Um, oh, crud. It's kind of like the new Halo. Gears of War? No. Oh, the new Halo. Oh, uh, Destiny. Destiny. Uh, <coughs> the mechanics that it used to match make. Yeah. Focus on matching you with people who will encourage you. Not specifically the people themselves, but like if you're playing a sniper class, yep. the matchmaker will try to match you with people who have paid gear yep. to encourage you yep. to buy paid gear. Yep. That kind uh, of stuff is kind of there's an, There's another game where if if some people on your team are using, where if everybody on the team uses a boost, it increases the boost by 5%. So mm-hmm. if four people on the team use the boost, there's this then pressure on the fifth person to also use a boost, which costs money, of a, dollar, a dollar a pop. Um, so, I mean, yeah, stuff like that is disgusting. Stuff like some of the stuff in the end. But I mean, the, the place where, like, and again, we talked, we talked about DLC a while ago. And what I basically said, I think, at the time was, I don't necessarily agree that it's if it feels like a complete game, you shouldn't be upset. But I do feel like if it feels like it is as complete as a f- game where there wasn't the DLC is... You shouldn't be too upset. And I still kind of stand by that. But like in the case of the NBA thing, it does leave me wondering, well, if there wasn't this ability to pay to upgrade my character, would I be getting five times as many or ten times as many drops as I do now? If there wasn't this if there wasn't this constant incentive for me to spend the money because they're it's, just trickling it out slowly enough. It's a Skinner box. And right. it's, it's designed specifically to encourage you to spend the money because they don't want to give you it all for free. Right. They want you to be encouraged to exactly. spend the money. Like, yes, I mean, and when it comes down to things like costumes or when it comes down to things like the uh, Mass Effect, it's very easy to say, yeah, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that this is this is being gross. When it comes down to things like you're talking about with Destiny or with uh, the, EA, the, EA, the EA thing with Star Wars uh-huh. um, or, 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 or with this NBA 2K thing, like, that's where I start saying, no, this is this kind of makes my skin crawl. It's a $60 game. You're already being paid to make the game. Why are you making me pay for extemporaneous nonsense that's... Oh, actually, the uh, let me see. Uh, you keep talking because the response Cause, to this is amazing. Because, I mean, one of the big things about that was um, why is it that... Uh, it's one thing to say, like, okay, if you want to, you know, have fancy Nike shoes on your character, okay, fine. I can spend a little money, f- spend $5.00 which is a ridiculous amount of money just to get a pair of shoes. And I don't even yep. think that's the right amount or the granola bars for an energy boost. That's like golden bullets. I, th- I think it was about a dollar. <clears throat> um, that's like, yeah, golden food. Essentially. It's the thing where you have to pay money right. to get a boost to enhance your player. And that kind of throws off the entire mechanic of the game. Cause the game is built around. Suddenly you have to spend money to advance because they're going to gear it to be more difficult. Yes. So that you're encouraged to do that. And so the game isn't about playing football, basketball for fun. It's now uh, all geared around making you want to advance and advance as efficiently as possible, which means spending money. So so here's this here's this DLC. Uh, here, here, so this is on the Star Wars Battlefront, on the uh, Star Wars Battlefront subreddit. Somebody says, seriously, I paid $80 to have Vader locked. This is a joke. I'll be contacting EA support for refund. I can't even play effing Darth Vader. Disgusting. This age of microtransactions has gone way too far. Leave it to EA to stretch the boundaries. Now, what he's referring to is the fact that when you buy the exclusive edition, you then still have to earn... Like, Oh, you, you... want to mention who said that, by the way? Uh, his name is um, MBM Maverick. 
I NBM Maverick, thanks for Yes. So here's <laughs> here's the response from EA. The intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes. As for cost, we selected initial values based upon data from the open beta and other adjustments made to milestone rewards before launch. Among other things, we're looking at average per player credit earn rates on a daily basis. And we'll be making constant adjustments to ensure that players have challenges that are compelling, rewarding, and of course, attainable via gameplay. We appreciate the candid feedback and the passion the community has put forth around the current topics, our forums, and numerous social media outlets. Our team will continue to make changes and monitor community feedback and update everyone as soon and as often as we can. So, <clears throat> the problem the problem I have with that... I agree that, with the idea of the sense of accomplishment, but again, you've paid $80 for a bonus edition of a game for, with a character that you can't play until you've earned the credits to unlock him. What, what it proves to be, from their actions, not their words, is not that they're looking to create a game environment where people get a sense of accomplishment for their hard work. They're building it to be just difficult enough to, for people to spend more money. Exactly. Because their goal is not to make a game that's enjoyable to the player. No. They're making a game that encourages you to spend money. Exactly. And and on the one hand, like, they're a business, and I sympathize with the fact that at some point, the at the end of the day, the point of the, you know, this is the thing that the people will always come back to. They're a business, and the purpose of a business is to make money. Yes, but remember what Google once had as its tagline, do no evil? Like, mm -hmm. you can make money without being disgusting about it. Like, there are ethical, there are ethical, fair, and balanced ways to make money without feeling like you are raking the people for every single dime you can get out of them. And, and I think <clears throat> what, what really says it the most is the fact that there was a Star Wars adventure game that yep. was in production. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But it's been canceled. Right. And it was canceled, presumably. I can only say presumably because I don't know this for a fact. But to make room for the newer um, multiplayer driven, I think yep. it's the new Knights of the Old Republic, I think they're planning. Ugh. Which will be multiplayer and uh, what's that word? Microtransaction driven. Really? They, KOTOR? I think so. I, th I could be wrong about that. It could sure be another one. Battlefront? No, it's not Battlefront. It's another Star Wars game. Okay. They're ditching the Star Wars adventure-based game, huh. which actually might have been KOTOR, actually. I might have my facts mixed up. Well, I way. apologize. Anyway, so they shuttered the, the company that was making this game, yep. and they have canceled the entire project <sighs> in favor of making a different game that will be, once again, multiplayer-driven so that they yep. can make money off of the microtransactions because you can't put microtransactions in an adventure game. Well, no, you could, but you could. it would be horrible. I mean, they put them in Dragon Age. Ugh. I mean, they put, they put them in Mass Effect, but not. But I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that Mass Effect? You can only charge for chunks of content. You can't just constantly stream the money out in the way that they want to. Like they don't want they don't want you spending ten dollars for an extra chunk of content. They want you to spend seventy five cents for a blind box and then not get anything you want and spend another seventy five cents because that way you spend more money overall. They're actually taking advantage of the uh, gambling oh, yeah, mechanic. Well, mechanics is not the word. The um, the gambling obsession. obsession that a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, and I have that. There's, there's a reason I don't play these games except Overwatch. Um, and Overwatch, it's great because you always get, every time you level up, you get a box and it's free. But they, you need to buy a key to unlock it, right? Nope. Oh, you it's don't? It's free. Oh, well, that's not too bad. Every then. time you level up, you get. Now, 
the ga- the number of games you have to play to unlock it go up, but you always get a box. You always get at least three items in your box. Fancy. And it's you know, and it's and it's all cosmetic. Like you will never pay for anything you need in that game ever. That's a good way to do it. That's a good. No, you, I mean you can buy all of the boxes if you want. You could buy twenty boxes. Like you can buy them if you want to, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to if you don't want to. Like I actually enjoy the. Oh, I hit a new level. Let's go see what I got in my box. You know, it's. Like the last few times I've played Overwatch, I've basically played till I go up a level, open my box, assign some new items, and then call it a day. Like it's perfect. It's like forty five minutes to an hour, and I've got a box. And it's great. Yeah. And I, you know, and and a lot of people have been playing it that way. And some people then also spent five or ten or twenty dollars because they're like, hey, you know, I really like this game. I'm getting a lot of time. Like, I, w- you know, what I would actually honestly rather see is developers have tip jars. Like, just say, hey, you know what? If you're liking this game, I'm. I know it's a $10 game, or I know it's a $20 game, or I know it's a $50 or $60 game, but hey, if you're really liking this and you really, really feel like this is worth it, might give me a couple more bucks if you're really getting a good time out of it, because, mm. I mean, hey, you know what? I really like Morph Blade. I would absolutely give him 10, 10 more dollars. I did. I bought Heat Signature. But, um, <laughs> but you know, there are, there are developers out there who I have tipped, because I've said, you know what? This is a good game, and I may not have the money right now, but sure, I'll give you an extra 10 bucks someday, because... You made a good game, and I've played it for fifty hours. Yeah, you've definitely. But I me. don't like feeling. But I don't like feeling like you're saying, "Come on, just one, just the first one's free." But after that, oh, that's gonna be two dollars. Oh, that's gonna be two dollars. Come on, you know, you know, if you just give me two dollars, you could get your character so that he could compete with the other guys. Just two dollars. You know, I don't like that. I don't like feeling mm-hmm. like I'm having a like it's a drug deal. No, no, <clears throat> and and that's kind of what it turns into. Yes. It's kind of abysmal like that. It's kind of gross. But with that happy, happy note, let's move on to the mouthwash. Oh, it's so happy. And welcome back to the mouthwash, where we spit fiery hot truths like uh, flaming anvils from the top of a skyscraper. So this is the second half of the special Steam bonus episode, where we will be uh, giving you a bonus of more disjointed conversation yes. with no point, while we discuss Steam, uh, what's good about it and what's bad about it. Mostly what's bad about it. Yeah. Which I mean, we when we. Definitely don't hate the the platform. No, no, I love Steam itself. It's just people misuse it. It's I hate people. Yeah, we both hate. I people. like Steam. I like like Steam is fine. It's the people who use it that are terrible. Mm. So, uh, where do we want to start with this one? So uh, we're talking mostly about uh, what reviews and curation. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start with one that I actually have here, which is. I am sick of every single Steam reviewer who can't play games somehow somehow say. It, it, or, or let's not say I'm saying it is amazing to me that every single Steam reviewer who can't get a game to work somehow has an i7 7000K and a GTX 980 graphics card, and then all they own are 40 games, all of which are free to play. Um, it seems to me that if you have a top of the line, if you truly do, in fact, have a top of the line money's no object gaming system, you're probably going to have some actual paid games. Um, it seems to me like a lot of people are very quick to say, I have a top-of-the-line system and I can't run this game, so therefore it's a problem with the game. 
One is probably that they don't actually have a top-end system. They think they have a top-end system. And they're just reading off numbers that sound appropriate. That sound appropriate, too. Yeah, like, yes, the GTA 60 was, 960 was a great card three years ago. Now it's a mid-price card, and it performs like a mid-price card. Not being able to run player unknown battlegrounds at top or, or or arc at full system settings all the time does not mean that the game is poorly optimized. It means that maybe you don't have the hardware to run it. Not and necessarily. There are some games that are very poorly optimized, but sometimes it just means you don't have a top end system. And on top of that, even even the most the best optimized system will have problems with certain yes. specific configurations of systems. Yeah. Just because you have a really nice system doesn't necessarily mean you, you'll be able to play the game out of the box. And the thing to do isn't to hop onto the forums and complain loudly like or anyone cares. Reviews. It's to go into the support, do searches, and then post saying, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me make it work? Because right. they, don't, they don't care about making it work. They want to complain and be a victim. Right. Well, or, or in a lot of the times in the reviews, it's like, I don't necessarily, the forums, I don't necessarily have, mind people going and saying, hey, I have this system and it's not working for me and this sucks. It's when they go onto the reviews, on, onto the Steam reviews and then say, I have this system that doesn't work, therefore you shouldn't buy this game. Like, if you want to say, yes, this, it, it absolutely sucks if you can't play a game that you want to play. I, I sympathize with that. There are games I would like to play that do not run on my system right now because of X, Y, or Z. I sympathize with that. And if you want to then go into the forums and say, hey, this isn't working. What's wrong? Give me a hand. Or even just, oh, I'm so mad. But it's when you then try to extrapolate that to, therefore, you should not support this developer. Therefore, you should not buy this game, etc. If you want to say, hey, I have the system. It's not working for you. You may have trouble getting this to run. Be careful. That's very different than you should not buy this game because X. Yeah. And I think, like, for me, that I think is where I really get frustrated Speaking as somebody who's done game reviews, speaking as somebody who's written for several different sites now and doing game reviews, obviously not most of the time not for pay, but as an amateur, as a freelancer, um, I've done some paid reviews as well. But uh, Speaking as somebody who values the need to be objective in, in reviewing yes. and discussing games. Uh, yes, as somebody who's done this both as a hobbyist and a semi-professional now, it really frustrates me people who just say... Well, this is what I think. This is how I feel. This is how the game is. Therefore, this is how the game is. Like, there are absolutely games that I can accept are good games that I hate and that there are bad games that I love. And I think if you want to be a fair reviewer, you need to be able to differentiate. I like this and people who think like me will probably like this and I like this. Therefore, it is a good game. Right. Like, I love Crusader Kings, too. I think it is one of the best games ever made. Most people who are sane are not going to like Crusader Kings 2. Mm -hmm. And if you say Crusader Kings 2 is the best game ever made, everybody should play it. You are doing a disservice to people. Yeah. Because, that is, you know, you're wasting people's money. And, and their response to such a statement is going to be, no, right. this game is horrible. No one should play it. Right. And, and, and likewise, I mean, here, I have, a, I have an example right here of one that, of one that really angered me. Um, I will not, uh, it's for a hero, gener hero generations regen. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but do not buy this crap. Do not spend your money to support this unethical and incapable developer who uses shady and illegal business practices to fool players into buying another trash infested with bugs. Let me tell you all the fishy and irresponsible practices from this despicable developer. In April 2015, they released a crappy game called Hero Generations, which was infested with game-breaking bugs and shallow gameplay mechanics. The result? 
tons of negative reviews from players on Steam. About 40% of all reviews are negative, which is true of most games, I will point out. Uh, and also, 40% is not a majority. <laughs> no. Um, but I will also say, you know, 40% of that is, is high, but not insanely high. No. Any reasonable developer should release free updates to fix the bugs and improve the gameplay mechanics, correct? Unfortunately, this shameless developer chose to abandon the old game and now releases a more polished version with a price tag. In other words, every player of the old game was ripped off by buying an unfinished and buggy product that will never be improved. If they want to play the polished version that should be provided for free, they have to pay money again. I should point out that they gave a 75% discount to everybody who already owned the game. So it was only about $2 instead of 50 So again, I just, just to balance out the review here, <laughs> um, do not give your money for this greedy and irresponsible developer. False marketing. If you watch the, develop, the trailers of this updated version, you should notice that two favorable review comments are showcased. One was made by John Schaefer and the other was from Adam Smith of Rock, Paper, Shotgun. However, these two versions were actually made for the old version. The developer is now actually using some favorable positive comments for the old game to report the, promote this new version. This is just blatant false and illegal marketing advertising to fool players into believing this is a good game. What the, what the, what the developer does in this trailer is actually complete violation of the marketing and advertising laws upheld by the Federal Trade Commission, blah, 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 blah. I will point out that both of those basically were saying that the game has strategic depth, which is true of both versions of the game. Just to balance this out again. And of course, uh, the second version is is uh, basically this is is basically what you would call a gold a, a gold version of like yeah wasn't it wasn't Hero, it Hero's released gold. because re released because it was built on a different engine for performance reasons yes he he switched it from uh, Java to Unity I believe yeah and it it made the game more stable right but it's the same game but he he added a few extra items but yes yeah to make the 250 that people who bought the old game would have to pay to get the new right. game i mean it's 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 a new engine he added some new stuff he added a few more monsters you know he it's a, it's a gold version it's a gold edition basically this revamp game is still buggy let me give you a few examples i've successfully unlocked the following five achievements simply by entering and quitting the tutorial in window mode killed the end boss 50 generate you know so basically there's a bunch of achievements that he managed to unlock Stinky piece of trash. Update. 94.9% .9 owners of this crappy game have already unlocked the above mentioned achievements. This developer is a joke. Such a shameless developer deserves to go bankrupt, and I really need to thank Steam's refund policy that is aimed at punishing important developers like Heart-Shaped Games. Because, really, the fact that five yeah. achievements are unlocked uh, within the first... Or did he say 98% of the achievements? No, he, he unlocked five achievements by playing the tutorial, basically. Yeah. Which okay, if they want to put the achievements there, it's not like it's a, it's not like it adds extra value nope. to the game. It's just there for well, it's not something that you you had you you and I, yeah we we have we have we're going to discuss achievements in another episode too, or we can do it now I guess if you want. Well, but. I only only where it relates to this particular situation. I don't think I think that's ridiculous for him to complain about that. And 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 I should point out that the man who that the person who wrote this review played for point three hours. Um, so less so he probably played the tutorial right that's pretty much all he played um, he bought because you have to play it for at least point two hours to be able to write a review at all so basically this guy clearly had an agenda that he was pushing with his review and this is stuff I see all the time like I I agree that the the original release eh, not great the 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 new release better should he have given it away for free it would have been nice but I also understand why he didn't but that being said like the person who's calling him unethical and violating the FTC, a doesn't understand how the FTC works. B, I mean, clearly doesn't understand how the FTC works. B doesn't understand what false advertising is clearly, and C doesn't understand 
I'm just going to say doesn't understand anything going on there. And, you know. And the statements he made are actually libel. I mean, yeah. if, if, if they don't fall in that purveyance, if he's accusing him of shady and underhanded, he is making statements that could be potentially damaging. Potentially to that libelous. I, yeah, it, potentially libelous. It, it, it is a lot harder when you're getting into something like this where it is specifically coded as a review uh, because that technically counts as an opinion and you cannot li- opinions cannot be libel. Mm. So it it gets. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to say one way or the other. But I mean, I mean, technically, <laughs> anything that's stated, opinion or otherwise, it, can it, be it, considered libel if it's untrue. Uh, not necessarily. Um, opinion, opinion, very specifically, is not necessarily legally considered. Libel. Well, yes, but when he's stating, it is at the very facts, least. It is at the very least slanderous. Let's it, say. it can't be an opinion if he's stating what he believes to be facts, which is what he's doing. Let, let's just say it's it is slanderous, if not legally so. At the yeah, very least, it's in it's intent. inappropriate yes. in, in every way. Um, yes, I don't really want to start throwing around legal terms because I'm not a lawyer and neither are you, sir. They do not see my degree. I'll take you to kids court. <laughs> okay. Which will be really awkward because neither of us are kids. Well, moving on. Um, no, but I, I mean, I think that is a really good example. Like, that's one that is stuck in my mind for months because it is... An agenda it is a person who doesn't understand what they're talking about, and it is a person who's using both of those to tell people not to buy something that is. But what's, I'll say it. What's it is agenda? not a great game, but it is a decent game. That that a it should have been free, and b that he doesn't. You know, he's probably one of those people who is who thinks that all game developers are unethical for trying to make money. Ah, uh, yeah, and that all you know, and there are a lot of people out there who think that all DLC should be free, all games should be twenty dollars. And that, you know, game developers shouldn't be charging people as much as they are, which is, you know, it is very similar to people who say that all art should be free and that all YouTube videos should, that YouTube art stars shouldn't be making money off of their YouTube shows because they're doing it for fun. Like, no, it's a lot of work to do these things. I enjoy podcasting, but it's still a lot of work. And if people wanted to pay me for it, I would not say no. Like, right. Hey, does anyone want to advertise on Spitball Sessions? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Drop us a line. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Spitball.sessions at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> but, no, but, I mean, but seriously, like, I mean, there are plenty of people who get paid to make podcasts now because it does take work and it does take Content work. creation always costs money. It's, it's. And, and, and so many people think that, oh, well, you're doing something artistic and fun and therefore it's, e-. like, no, it still takes work. You still, like. You're still getting a product out of it. You're still getting a product out of it, and it takes time and effort to do. And I admit, I thought podcasting was a lot easier until I started doing it. So I'm sure that for people who play games, they're like, oh, well, this is... I mean, heck, we have a podcast devoted to talking about how easy it would be to make a game. So we are guilty of this to some extent, but... I like to think that we're at least respectful when we talk about this because we understand that it is more work than we make it yeah, sound. Yeah, well, like. we we go through the effort of coming up with ideas. Right. We we understand that it's hard to do because we're not doing them. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but I think there are a lot of people out there who are just like, well, you know, I, I don't know, I could do it, right? Like, yeah, it's and to some extent, like I'm, I'm aware that some of these people are children. And you got to be a little bit more patient with children. Some of these people are not children. Well, that guy who, uh, whose review I read is not a child. There, there, no way. There are people out there, and they're not just children. They're just specifically uh, trolls Yes. who intentionally make negative comments because it's yep. enjoyable for them to do that. That. 
Uh, on the on the flip side, I will also say I have seen plenty of developers who are absolute pieces of garbage as well. Um, one who is, whose name I'm not going to necessarily mention, but you know what? Okay, so so here's here's my here's my sum up on the uh, on the review thing. Not liking a game is fine. Being mad in a review is fine. But at least know what you're talking about first. Like if you are mad, if you genuinely feel that you have been ripped off, as this gentleman clearly does. That is fine. If you want to say, hey, I think this game is a ripoff. You should be careful. You should not buy this. I think they are ripping you off. There are games that I have said that about. Mm-hmm. But I think you should know what you're talking about and be able to explain why. Like there's a there's a, a Cities XL, which Ugh. is a game that I think is terrible. Is I a, agree. That game is horrible. It is a bad city builder. But I didn't say, well, these people don't deserve to make the money and they're using false advertising. I said, look, this game is not interesting. It's not doing anything fun. You know, it has some issues with running. It doesn't run very well. It runs slowly, even on a system that is mediocre on lowest settings. There is just lag in places. There shouldn't be lag. The way that the systems say they interact don't actually do the things that they do. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy the game, but I'm saying I wouldn't if I had the chance to do it over again. So I'm seeing a kind of like a, a comparison between those two reviews that we've just discussed. Okay. Um, and this is something that people in general should keep an eye out to, to minimize the damage that these over-the-top negative reviews a cause. Yes. A good review, negative or positive, should be clear, concise, and not overly verbose for the sake of gathering attention. And let's say either knowledgeable or intelligent. Correct. I'm not saying you have to be, like, I'm not saying you have to use 50-point words, and I'm not, or $50 words, I'm not saying you have to be analytical and perfect, but if you don't know what you're talking about, that's fine, but admit that. Like, don't say I know everything there is to know about the stock market and you shouldn't buy this game because it doesn't tell, talk about the stock market accurately. If you don't actually know the stock market. that well. Yes. Like stuff like that. Like people are fine. If you say, I'm not enjoying this game, but don't say I'm not enjoying this game because it's not realistic. And then, you know, if you don't actually know what you're talking about, it's fine to just say, Hey, I don't enjoy this game. And I don't know that you will either. Like mm-hmm. that's fine. That's what I want to see. Like there are some great reviews of arc for people who don't enjoy that game saying, look, I like this game. But you probably won't like this game if you're not me, because here's the things that I'm getting out of Ark. Here's the things you probably aren't going to get out of Ark. Right. And those are really helpful for me. Yeah, because they, 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 they give an idea of what is and is not in right. the game for people of specific types. Because exactly. people do understand that there's people who like building games, there's people who like adventuring games, yes. people who like survival games. And these games will scratch certain itches, and it's important to inform people what itches they scratch yes and i and i think it is that sort of problem with people who think that liking a game automatically means the game is good like yeah oh i didn't like a game so it's probably bad like eh, not necessarily your opinion is not the do all and be all right. and end all that said i have seen uh indie devs on twitter mocking steam reviews that the game is bad because x doesn't make sense or i can't get y to work and I, I saw one guy saying, well, you know, if you can't be bothered to read the tutorial or if figuring out that this is what causes why to happen is too difficult, then maybe you shouldn't be allowed to review my game, which is crap. Because if a dev can't make tutorials that adequately, exp- and I, by the way, I've played this game that, that this that I saw this, this dev talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree with the reviewers. Like it is some of the some of the stuff in the tutorials is not adequately explained. If the dev can't make tutorials that are adequately explained or make his processes intuitive, that he absolutely deserves to be called out. It isn't. It makes sense to most of my players. Does not cut. It. Yeah. Content trolling. Now, it's. I understand the constant trolling of Steam reviews can sometimes make it hard to balance wheat from chaff, 
but mocking but mocking Steam reviews, especially on Twitter, is beyond the bounds of acceptable. Like that is not okay. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, it is on the developer to make it like it's on the developer to make the tutorial understandable. Like I understand there are some processes that maybe you can't necessarily explain and maybe people have to figure out. But if they say that, that shouldn't be you, you shouldn't you shouldn't then be able to turn around and say, well, it's on you because you couldn't figure it out. No, it's on you because you weren't able to explain it in the way that they understood. It. Yeah, it's it's the developer's responsibility to make sure that people can understand how to play your game. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if the person is not enjoying it, that's one thing. But if the person is saying that this thing is badly designed, that's on you. If they're if if they're saying it is well designed and I'm not liking it, that's on them. Yeah. It's it's um it's difficult. We understand. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because there are a lot of terrible people out there who will look for any excuse to tear into a game, even if there's nothing really to tear into, because they just like right. being negative. It's entertainment to them. That does not give you a free pass to be rude to anyone, regardless. Because well, you're not you're you're giving you're feeding the trolls if it's a troll, and you're hurting your player base right. otherwise. And I mean, you know, I understand. Like, I think if we ever get to the point where we start get attracting a ton of trolls, I will probably have Luke start listen, like be the one who reads our our iTunes reviews because I know that it would make me angry. Um, because I'm the one who's doing like the editing and stuff, so I know that I would be way more hurt by it than Luke probably would. So you know. If you need somebody else to review some of these things and say, no, this is this one's real versus this one's fake, like, do that. And also, it's perfectly acceptable to say, it is perfectly acceptable in your head. I get critique. I get editing on articles I've written that's saying, this needs work or this isn't good or this should probably be changed. And I've dismissed it and said, nah, I don't, don't agree. But you don't then go back to the person and tell them that. Mm-hmm. You don't, And you certainly don't mock them for it. Like, if somebody says this character is really stupid and you're like, no, that's my favorite part of the story. That's fine. People can be wrong about their, like people can have, I don't want to say people can have wrong opinions, but people can have opinions you don't agree with, but you don't make fun of them for it. That's, no. That for me is where it crosses. I mean, you can try to explain your position. That That's oh, yeah. one thing. You say, I don't think so because of X, Y, or Z. Right. But as soon as you get mocking, again, you're either feeding the troll or you're hurting your player exactly. base. And I will say, um, do you have anything else to add about uh, reviews? Uh, only, well, there is one thing that happens in reviews. I'm not sure. I guess it is actually a, th- a thing that happens in Steam. It also happens in Metacritic and other mm-hmm. reviewing services. The, uh, inflation and deflation of the overall Metacritic score oh, yeah. by over reviewing. People feel that if like a new game has a really high Metacritic score, like a, say a 95 and you're like, oh, this game's not worth 95. It should be lower. Instead of scoring it what you feel is appropriate, like say you thought it was a 60, you scored a zero for the only reason is that you don't think it should be a 95 on the overall score. It is not your place to change the overall score. It's your place to give an honest review score. Yep. And I mean, yes, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a hard line to walk. Because I, I can tell you there are a couple of games out there that I see getting Game of the Year awards. And I'm just like, why? Why would anybody think that is good? But yeah, I mean, it's not your place to decide for the entire population either. Like, if if the people agree with you, then more people will start scoring it along with you. And it will bring the Metacritic down naturally. And if they yeah. don't, then it's fine to be an outlier. Like, being an outlier is fine. You don't have to go all the way to zero to do it. Yeah, especially considering the fact that it may just be that you 
disagree with the right. the the larger population. Well, again, that goes back to the whole issue of subjectivity versus objectivity. Absolutely. Yeah. I will also say that I really am frustrated by curation. Um, so curation on I, I have in my notes here. Curation on Steam is a mess. Positive curate positive curations are always above negative and neutral curators, and there's only five or ten page per page. Therefore, the incentive is to thumb up literally every game you can to increase the visibility. This in terms leads to mediocre games with dozens of curators recommending it, and curators therefore have such high signal-to-noise ratio that they become useless to follow. Also, people are using them for such bizarre... Like, I've also started seeing curators that basically have such bizarre things that they curate that, like, curators... Like, it used to be that curators would be like, oh, if I like this kind of thing, I could follow this person... Like, I have one that I follow called, like, Building and Engineering Games, and they will recommend good building and engineering games. Yeah. Except now there's so much incentive to thumb up, to get all this visibility that people start thumbing up. Like, you get reviewers, uh, curators recommending mediocre games, which kills the whole point of curation. Or you get a bunch of mediocre games with a ton of, of curators because they know nobody else is out there curating it so they're going to thumb it up so that they can get attract notice by people who like that game right which then diff- diffuses what the point of the thing is that falls back to abuse of the system yes and then also you have people now like that group that of curators that basically tracks all games that have censorship and you have ones that track like all games that have lesbian uh, romances in them and you have one that tracks like all games that have like female uh, heroes and it's like on the one hand that's useful but on the other hand that's what the tags are for that's what the tags are for and like yeah i mean You're if just... i like if i like if i like tomb raider i'm probably not also going to like magic diary I'm just not like those are two very or, or if i like tomb raider i'm probably not going to like cataclysm it's, it's getting more and more difficult to find good curation yes it's in the mess of nonsense and the whole point of the curation was to make it easier to find games that you'd like and in fact it has done the exact opposite the curation is basically just a bunch of noise what what it boils down to really is we just can't have anything nice no well the problem the problem is that the way steam makes everything work is that is that the only way to get any notice at all is to scream as loudly as loudly and as frequently as you can on steam and the problem with that is the louder and frequently you scream, the more noise you have, less signal and the more noise. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, at some point, I think the problem with Steam is that it's just too bloated. Like there is just too much of it. Yeah. And, you know, it is impo- like there are so many games on Steam now that it is impossible to find every good game. Even if I could find every good game, I couldn't afford every good game. And even if I could afford every game, good game, I don't have time to play them. <laughs> and beyond that, like. All of the tools that were originally designed to help me find things on Steam worked great when there were 200 or 400 or 800 games. But there's now, what, 27,000 games on Steam? Yeah, and it makes you wonder how many of those are, are like, you know, uh, worthless. Um, I'm sure a lot of Farming, them. not farming simulator type games, but like games that are... Shovelware. Sho- yeah, shovelware. Yeah, shovelware. We'll go with that. I it's, mean, if I go to Browse by Genre, what am I? I'm not even sure I can find all games. Like, they made it to the point where I literally can't get every single game. Well, here, let's take a check. Here. I mean, there are 335 pages of top sellers. <laughs> you know, 335 pages at what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Uh, Steam has 781 million registered games. Well, is that games or games and DLC? 
Uh, actually, I think that's how many people have. That's like how many keys are active. Oh. Now that I look at that, sorry, and only thirty percent of them, thirty-seven percent, are actually active. Have been used. Yeah, but I mean, even right here, just in, just in top sellers. Uh huh. Here we go. You're I'm, looking at four. You're looking at four thousand games. Just in top sellers. Seven thousand three hundred ninety actual titles. How many? Seven thousand four hundred seventy-one. Um, about we'll say seven and a quarter. So seventy-five hundred games. Uh, yeah, seven and a half. Okay. Yeah, 7,500 games. So there are 7,500 games on Steam. I mean... How can you play them all? Well, you can't play them all, but even just... I mean, at some point, even just sorting through them, just, if, if you look through at... If you look through them at 10 a minute, that would take you an hour just to go through the store. Or an hour and a half just to go through the store. And, and good luck trying to get through all 10 of them in a minute. Uh, what, what really amazes me is... Um, uh, like, as an example... I have about 250 games right. on my account. Yep. Between all my friends who share their accounts with me, right? which you're one, right. I have over 800 games. I have 800 without sharing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have something like 850 titles available to me. Yep. I probably have less than two dozen on my computer at any given time. I have 411 installed. And, but. and that's not even considering uh, a probably the good 50 to 100 titles on Humble Bundle right. that haven't even been activated. But I'm, but I'm even saying just like, you know, they've done things like they've added tags, they've added curation, they've added sales under $10, they've added all of these things to help you refine what you're looking for, and it's still like looking through a mass of, like it's still just shuffling through a mass of garbage because it is impossible to tell what is good from bad and all of the things that they've put in to make it easier to sort out what you want have actually done nothing but make it more complicated um they've just added more ways of sorting non of sorting noise yeah and i think it, it it's just it's the more of the same it's a lot of people with no understanding of curation yes just throwing out whatever they think would be kind of cool to put together in in a, in a list yep and it just gluts the system with, with junk. And there should be a better way of narrowing the field. Yes, absolutely. I do have to give props to the Steam Steam's algorithm. Yes. Uh, generally speaking, it makes reasonably good recommendations for games that I would like. Except for me, it always likes to recommend me at least two horror games. It wants to scare you. Apparently. I don't know. It constantly thinks I'm going to love horror games. It's making those suggestions on my account because it it knows I like it when you're terrified. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like even now, I have at least two that are just first person well, shooters. I mean, that's kind of like why one of the things I like about it is it does a lot of suggestions based on your play style, and then it kind of goes a little bit afield. It's like yes. maybe you might like this because it's kind of like this, even though it's also like this. <coughs> true. That's true. Um, so so it it it. It not only does it uh, do a pretty decent job of finding things that you'll actually like, but it also tries to encourage you pushing your boundaries and exploring new things you might not consider. True. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I mean, I think that's the big problem with most of Steam is that at some point it just becomes like, I think I think from from beginning to end, like it's it's just we've reached the point where there is so much on Steam and, and I could like, 
when we were talking about Greenlight before, like I can understand why some people were concerned when that came out that it was going to lead to this glut of non-gaming stuff that they didn't want to see on there. And now you have software on there and you have anime on there and you have movies on there and you have all these things. And I'm like, you know, I also agree that Steam has maybe outgrown its boundaries a little bit, but I just want some way to be able to find a game that I'm going to want to play. Mm. And I don't even know why, because I already own 800 games, 300 of which I don't play. Oh, for example, on Desktop Dungeons, we have somebody who says, not recommended. No, you're welcome. Fancy. I mean, what does that even mean? One out of 18 people found this review helpful, but it's still the top review on the on the Steam page. But then we do have, to be fair, the review directly below that is really helpful, which says, for me, this game is a negative. For you, it may be exactly what you're looking for. So read on. Screenshots and videos on the Steam store page are slightly misleading as to what type of game this is. I see screenshots and roguelite description and immediately think it was going to be something with some strong RPG elements combined with a tactical strategy. It's nice to be able to think out your next move without something bearing down on you, but the game is designed in a way that will force you to fail no matter how methodical you think you're being if you don't do things in the correct order. The reality is that the game isn't as engaging as the Steam store page would leave you to believe. Redoing the same level over and over again isn't appealing. Numerous times that I stopped staring at the final boss, it couldn't do anything because they were higher level than me, was forced to restart. Are you talking about desktop dungeons? Yes. That is something that actually happens. No, I know. And that's what I think. But but like I said, I like the fact that the guy says, for me, the game is a negative. For you, it may be exactly what you're looking for. So read on. That's the kind of review I'd like to see. Not, Not recommended. No. You're welcome. That's not a helpful review. I don't know why you're saying it's not recommended. And and uh, I'm not going to thank you for being a jerk. Yes. Uh, so I just sent you Desktop Dungeons. Oh, thank you. Because I, I have it. like three copies, apparently. All right, then. I will play a copy of that. <laughs> it's actually quite good. It yes. is a little... Uh... I, I have played the free-to-play version. Okay. Yes, I, I, I like Desktop Dungeons a lot. It's, it's, it's not really a roguelike. It's actually a puzzle game. It is. Well, it's a puzzle roguelike. Yes. I think it, it, it does a good job of it. But it but it is more puzzle than roguelike. Yeah. And yes. and he's right about the whole there's there are times when you just get yourself into a position yep. where you can't actually beat the boss. Absolutely. You just go to the exit and you play again. You just keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. No, he I mean he he's very much right. And I have I've I have lost that game many, many more times than I have won. And yes, no, but I, I think he is right. And I think he's also right that it is a nuanced game. And I think that most games are nuanced and therefore most need nuanced reviews. Yes. Um, for instance, I think Tesla Grad is a terrible game. It is one of the few games I will actually say I think is a bad game and not just a game I don't like. But even then, I try to at least be explain why I don't think that, which is that it's a platformer with no platforming. Yes. That, That's game. true. It's, it is a strange game. Well, since we have a few more extra minutes left, Luke, what have you been playing? Everything. I've been playing everything. You mean you, the game everything? Yes. Okay. Do, do you is know... Is that a game? Do you know what's in everything? Everything. Not everything. No. No. Most things. You know what's not in everything? Everything. Walking animations. <laughs> Rolling polar bears. That, that is the weirdest thing. So everything is a game that was out in the most recent Humble Bundle. You can get it on Steam. And it's like 20 bucks. I can't recommend it no. for everybody. <laughs> no. If you can observe this game, <coughs> which maybe it would be a good thing to throw on YouTube just to be like, hey, oh, watch there, me there, do there's, everything. There's stuff on YouTube, about, yes. Um, so it's kind of like 
it's like a di- diorama simulator in some ways because yeah. you go from you go from feature to feature looking for conversation points, yep. looking for things that will add to your. Uh, oh, you know that that actually falls into the category of learning the rule set as you go. Yes, because you actually unlock the your functional tool set as you play the game. That's true. On the upside, what I really like about it is it's it's creative. Uh, it does a lot with a little. Yep. Uh, which is weird because it has a lot. Yeah. And yet it doesn't actually have that much. No, it's not. It's like barren and lonely and yet full of life and wonder and nonsense and stupidity. It is. It is the stoner's is playground. Yeah. It is totally the stoner's playground. So what, <sighs> what everything is. Yeah. What is everything? <laughs> everything is everything. It's kind of like this conceptual thing where you, you just wander around exploring, uh, the environment, and you start out at as a, I guess, a polar bear. I think it could be any animal, but I think it's a, it's a, like a four-legged mammal. Well, actually, I think you start out as a singularity, and oh. then you hop into being a polar bear. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then as a polar bear, you wander around, and the game encourages you to just go anywhere and, and see anything. And the game kind of puts in your way as you go around looking for stuff. Uh, one of three things that I discovered. The first thing is just conversation pieces where you come across other objects. Like, I think the first thing I talked to was a stone, and it told me how... how it was um, stoned. It was, it was a stone stone, because, man, it was like, wow, this world is so cool. I'm so happy to be alive even though i'm a stone and don't actually live yeah and, and so it, it kind of gives that whole uh, it's just like enjoy the world around you vibe just chill and let it, it let it all happen kind of thing and and then the next thing you'll come across is um functional upgrades i guess you could call them yeah i guess which every time you come across one it, it unlocks something you can do like it allows you to Sing. You can call objects around you, and they respond to you. Yeah, and you can roll as a posse. And, and then, yeah, the next one is is a, the ability to pull like creatures, like as a polar bear, you can grab other polar bears, and they'll run with you down the road. Well, they'll roll with you. Yeah, they'll roll with you because the, they don't have a walking animation. They just go from face to face. Yeah, they sort um, of like somersault. Yeah. Um, when certain animals try to talk to you, they do that by sticking their butt in your face. It's very weird. Also, the, the the mammoths were sitting on their horns. <laughs> that was cool. They were doing a horn stands. That was great. Yeah. Um, and then what else was there? Oh, dancing. You can dance and reproduce. Uh, which is not how you reproduce, but we'll give that well, to them. Also, you can have teeth reproduce, which is that weird. Was, uh, we should have recorded that. That was creepy. That was so creepy, especially when... So it's like... Um, you're you're doing this and you're just like incisors. Yeah. Bone white incisors. And then out of the blue, this bloody molar pops up and I was done. Yep. <laughs> and, and so I like backing up, I'm like trying to drop all the other's teeth. I'm like, cause I had this massive tooth party going on and they were all dancing. I'm like, I'm done with this. And I left and it turned out I was the molar. Yeah. Of course. So uh the last feature, and this is where I really started to have a problem with the game is you can ascend or descend you can kind of because you jump around as you noticed we start said we were playing as a polar bear and then we we're playing as teeth you can kind of sort of slightly possess other objects so you go from one object to another yeah. um <clears throat> when you move to a new object you have to sing with it a few times and move around to uh find out what it is yes and then once it's unlocked 
then you oh man that's so much to talk about this game it's weird yes. uh then you uh then you can actually ascend and descend some more and so you ascend a tier or descend a tier and what really bothered me at this point well i won't say bothered what got weird about it at this point was that then there were audio files cropping up yeah and there's this weird guy who who was that do you know i don't remember he's a lecturer of some sort as a lecturer uh <coughs> uh, 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 uh what's that called when you when you're a uh, uh Philosopher. Yeah, he was a, a philosopher. He had crazy ideas about life, the universe, and everything. Uh, and they did not add up to 42, so I knew he was a bit of a quack. Yeah. Um, and then, so I'm doing this, and I guess, I do I want to spoil what happens when you continue to ascend? Uh, you could. Uh, once you get to large enough, you're like uh, celestial bodies and stuff. Yes. Eventually, you become the universe, which is also an atom. Yes. Which is weird, and I don't think actually makes any sense. But it's it, you, it's really hard to look them up, look up uh, who wrote the uh, voice on the everything audio logs because uh, everything audio logs just returns every instance of audio logs. Well, that really narrows it down. Yep. So uh, I found myself kind of like amused by this game which had some really weird things going on and at the same time a little put off by the attitude and the philosophy that it was yeah, trying to throw at me yeah um yeah the some of the philosophy is bizarre uh i've been playing a lot of nba 2k16 as we've talked about a couple times now um I, yes i still hate you i know because you actually like it yeah. Uh, I, why? Okay. So I was going to point this out earlier in in this podcast, and I guess this is the great time to mention it. Yeah. NBA Two K. Yes. How is it that this has the most horrible, disgusting, disgusting microtransaction system I have seen in a long time? Yep. And it's still such a fantastic game. I think I think those two go together, because I don't think they would have the budget to do that if they weren't planning on making. I suppose that's true. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, I showed you the other night. This is the most full-featured game, I have, sports game I have ever played. Like, it has exhibition mode. It has career mode. It has league mode, where you're basically playing your team for for a season. It has CCG mode. (laughs) It has it has it has a mode where you can run the every team in the entire league for eighty years and draft. And trade players. It has this weird blind box mode where you're doing challenges. It has everything in the kitchen sink that you could ever want in a, in a sports game. Do you know what else it has? Wrapped around terrible DLC. Do you know what else it has? A really creepy looking dude on announce desk. Oh my goodness. I, I wasn't <laughs> even going to go bring that up. Oh, So I don't know who the guy on the right was. Yeah. Who was he? I don't remember. Uh, so... I And I, I don't, I don't want to sound racial about this, but it, it's kind of... It's kind of important to point really this out. ER. The guy in the middle was white and he looked reasonably okay to that. Like they're so close to uncanny Valley with this game. It's still creepy. Right. And then there was this guy to the right and he just sat there the entire time looking like, uh, he just saw the biggest tarantula in the world. No, sorry. Wrong. He looked extremely depressed. Yes. And, and I don't know what it was about his features, but it was so poorly done. He, he looked like he just hated to be there. And then on the other side was Shaquille O'Neal, yep. who just looked like he had seen the biggest spider in the world. 
and was horrified and he didn't move. So like the other two guys were having conversations and, and Shaquille O'Neal was just like frozen with terror from the invisible tarantula of doom. And, and uh, you know, again, I don't want to sound racial about this, but like basketball is populated a lot with, uh, black people right oh totally uh, and and they are really good at the game yes no arguments there why are they the worst looking people in the game i think that has something to do with the way that it must be something to do with the way that their skin tone yes texturizes it, 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 it makes it look weird because i mean i mean there's there's scenes where people were talking to them and they're just sitting there and then they start talking and i thought that they were going to like their face was going to crack apart because there's just no there's no like realism to that and it really made it disconcerting and the, the i just kept noticing and i don't know why the white people looked normal yes well normal ish normal er yes totally i agree no it's, it's really weird um and nobody's uh, uh i i'm not giving anyone per- permission to uh blame this on the um the what what would that be blamed on I don't remember uh, uh, racism. Yeah, oops. It's it's not because the people who make this game are racist and are secretly trying to make black people look horrible. No, it's not that. Don't even say it. It's not there. Go away. But it's Shaq, Ernie, and Kenny. I don't know what their actual names are. <laughs> um, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson, and Shaquille O'Neal. I just, <clears throat> it's just the expressions on those people were so unnatural. It yes, was terrifying. It's, it's really, it's really awkward and, and looks- off-putting. <laughs> He looks like he's just like trying not to fall asleep. They looked, I, I will give them credit. They looked natural and at their best when they were actually playing basketball. But it, yeah, but it is really amazing that like it is fun to play. And for somebody who has not played a basketball game since NBA Street, like it feels easy to pick up. Oh, I just figured it out. You and I pay, played, you and I scored 105 points playing together. I just figured it what? out. Those two players on both sides, oh, those two people on both sides were players, right? Yes. Right. You said this game has an 80-year yes. field that covers? Those two people are probably players in the game. Oh, probably. And why do those players look so natural on the on the field? Because their faces are locked in a rictus ah, of yes. intensity so that they look like they're working really hard playing basketball. That might be it. And so they still have those looks, those scowls of determination on the field. That, that, like that they're still playing basketball and they, they didn't modify the models. They just reused the same skins that are on the characters that play the game. That, that actually probably does uh, explain a lot, actually, yes. Uh, I will also say I've been playing some... Um, oh, uh, two others I'm going to bring up real quick are... Flint Hook. Flint Hook is awesome. Luke's going home to play Flint Hook tonight. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Flint Hook is really good. It's it's a really high-paced... It's actually more of a roguelike than I expected it to be. It's a roguelike Metroidvania-type game or subway shooter. Um, <laughs> not quite, but it's, it's sort of that. But you're basically doing a lot of uh, hookshot-type tricks. It's real fun. Uh, and Kingsway is... It's a roguelike where the where it's built around the Windows 3.1 interface. That looked good. It's really crazy. Uh, I also played a bunch of Rain World, and I need to go back to it. Um, That game was way more of an open-world game than I expected, and it kind of was off-putting to me the first time I played it. But I really like it. Um, Or, I don't really like it, but I really want to like it. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. Um, I don't like it right now, but I think I could. One more game I want to throw out there, if you're done. Uh, you You do one, and I'll do one. Okay. Edna and Harvey. Harvey's <laughs> new eyes. So, 
I went into this game blind. Josh is like, oh, you should totally play this game. And I'm like, okay. So I downloaded it and I put it on my computer. It's an adventure game from Germany. Yes. Is it a German adventure game? Okay. So my first impressions were it's got a weird art style, which kind of fits the theme. Yeah, it's, it's 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 almost like an animated Wallace and Gromit. Yes, it kind of has that feel. You're right. It's kind of cutesy and just slightly off that makes it creepy. Yeah. Just looking at it. And then what happens in the game gets creepier still because uh, you're following Edna. No, you're not following Edna. You're following uh, Lily. Lily, you're right. Edna's the other girl, isn't yes. she? she's from the first game. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Okay. So that's kind of weird. But okay, so Lily... You're playing as Lily. I will point out that in Germany, it was just called Harvey's New Eyes. It was not called and then Lily Harvey or and then Harvey uh, Harvey's New Eyes. I gotcha. So it's, it's it is technically a spiritual sequel, but it's not an actual sequel. So Harvey's New <clears throat> Eyes. Okay. So so you're playing as Lily. Yep. And and Lily is uh, going about her business at this convent where the people are terrible to her because she she's this well-meaning, really nice girl, but apparently she's ridiculously clumsy. Uh, and then uh, things happen, and the dark humor in this game really starts to slap you in the face like a giant red herring. Purple paint, people. I was going to say purple herring. Giant purple herring. Purple paint. Yeah. And the, the uh, yeah, okay. You, sh- you, should, you should really go to twitch.tv slash the drill and watch his or Or go to YouTube and search for the drill. Yep. Uh, Harvey, it is Irma it, and Harvey. Harvey's it, it is po- it is possibly the the most fun I've had watching you just sort of go. Uh... So the one last game I'm going to mention I can't remember if I mentioned it last episode I don't think I did is um, Hollow Knight. Oh, which yes. is awesome. I, I'm just going to say right now, cutting <clears throat> you off because I do that. Go. I watched Kaholos Josh here play this game. It is beautiful it is really beautiful as a designer i can say this game is beautiful it is gorgeous and really creepy too oh yeah it's 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 the exact opposite of edna and harvey where it looks menacing on the front and then there's this sort of cute sheen over the top it yeah. reminds me a lot of uh don bluth who did uh rats of nim and uh uh rocket rockadoodle and all of those types of movies yeah it it really is surprisingly uh, this the surprising co- combination of of dark and cute. Yes, that works. And it's it's a it is a Metroid style game with um, but it's 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 very close combaty based. It's it, it actually takes a lot of uh, cues from Dark Souls. Um, like you die and you have to go back to your corpse. Uh, it's very very open world. It's much more open than most Metroid style games. Um, the stuff it does with the map is really really clever. Where you have to buy parts of the map, and then you can fill in parts of the map, but you can only fill them in in certain places. The environment uh, and the NPCs are amazing, very yes. interesting. It's, yeah, it's a really like if you were thinking about getting one game of this style this year, make it Hollow Knight. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see if I have that. Yeah, you should. Um, it's it's a really good game. All it's right. about twenty dollars on Steam. Yes, well worth the, every penny. Yes, and with that, I want you to close us out. All right. Well, thank you so much for watching. Uh, watching. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Spitball Sessions. This has been your host, Luke, and his friend, Josh. We hope you have enjoyed this bonus episode and hope you will come back for more. If you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, please send them to us at spitball.sessions at gmail.com. Check out our writing and other articles at spitballsessions.com. You can find me at twitch.tv slash thedrell or at thedrell on YouTube. You can find my friend Josh here, 
don't find my friend Josh here. Uh, you can find him at twitch.tv slash Koholos or at Koholos on YouTube. Uh, I'd like to also thank uh, Josh here again for working so hard to edit this podcast and make it, you know, halfway listenable. <laughs> yeah, only halfway. I'd like to thank all of you again at home for listening to another exciting Spitball Sessions. Tune in next time. Till then, we'll keep the light on for you. Thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions. We hope you had a good time. Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. And come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games.